Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the magnificent, marvelous, and melted Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean? You know, I am pretty melted, Chris, now that you mention it. It's like a thousand degrees here, or or 30, depending on how you want to cut it, but it's warm out. 30 feels like a thousand at that point. The snow is melting. Uh, spring is only, what, six months away here. I think we're we're ready to do a show. We are, in fact, ready to do a show. And with that, we're going to talk about new players today. But before that, we have a few announcements. Sean, the newest D&D designer at Wizards is who? Drumroll, please. <laughs> Kate Welch. You may know her from Acquisitions Incorporated C-Team. Mm. And... She has also worked for the Crucible uh, game from Amazon Game Studio, as well as Guild Wars 2. And she is the new designer at D&D. I personally am looking very forward to see how she does and what she brings to the uh, design team there at Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. I guess we should move on to the next thing. Sure. So the Dungeon Masters Guild hits two years old because, you know, it was uh, 2016, January 12th, that the first products launched with uh, us being one of the first people up there. Do you remember that weekend, Chris? I remember that weekend. It was kind of crazy. It's it's kind of a blur. It was kind of a blur then, and it's still kind of a blur. But sure enough, the, uh, the DMs Guild is over two years old as of January 12th. And I think you know, we've talked about it in the past in terms of both its impact on the game as a whole, as well as specific things that have been on the Guild. And we're going to have an interview with Chris Lindsay within the next month or so to talk about the DMs Guild, which is his brainchild, as well as other things having to do with D&D. But I don't think the DMs Guild gets enough credit for what it's done and the role it's played in this explosion of players in D&D. And I say that because I feel like the slower release schedule has really helped bring in new players um, and not burn people out quickly. Mm-hmm. And the people that really want a ton of material, I think, are are getting those needs met by the DMs Guild. So I think the um, you know the sum total of its impact on keeping some hardcore players around for longer than they would otherwise with a slow release of material um, cannot be stressed enough. I agree. Anything else? Um, that's all I've got to say about the DMs Guild. We'll just we'll see how the uh, the how how 2018 um if it continues on its steep increase and i look forward to hearing what chris Lindsay has to say to us uh, when we get a chance to talk to him yeah i mean i could say a lot of things about the dm skill but that's like a whole episode's worth of conversation yeah all right the last thing um Unearthed Arcana content will be added to D&D Beyond. So it looks like starting with January's Unearthed Arcana, the Druid Circle of Spores, the Fighter Brute, and the Wizard School of Invention subclasses, these new mechanical player uh, playtest content will be incorporated into the D&D Beyond Builder and all that good stuff and released one week after the article goes live. Uh, mechanical content includes elements that could be used directly with your character, such as subclasses, races, feats, or spells. Basically, anything that would be included in character creation or management will be added to the D&D Beyond Builder. Mm-hmm. So if you want to use that Unearthed Arcana content for your characters, you have to turn on the playtest content toggle, and then you will be able to see that 
uh, when you build and create your characters. Very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, that that's something that's uh, it was announced, uh, I think, within the last time we recorded. So I just want to make sure people who use D&D Beyond get that information because I have started to I've made a resolution to to start using online medium more to get used to it, to to take it in, to become more familiar with it. So I've been using D&D Beyond a lot both at the table while I'm playing and while I'm uh, writing. And it has been very, very useful, uh, a very useful tool for me. So I am interested to see how that medium is used, not just by, uh, is it Curse, I think? Yeah. Uh, Not just by them, but how Wizards uses that to integrate um, more content into an online platform. Very nice. Uh, I will also be interested to seeing how that goes. So, should we move on to our main topic for the day? Let's do this, Chris. All right. We're talking about new players, man. We've seen so much stuff and so much information concerning D&D growing. In fact, at a rate we've never seen before, at least since the early 80s. That means we have new players all over the place. So, uh, how are we going to approach this topic? What are we going to discuss? Well, this topic came to mind because Mike Merle's uh, has a YouTube video up and there's a link in our show notes where he, he answers the question, what are some tips and tricks for new players? And it's only a six minute video and he, he gives some good suggestions, but it's way too short an amount of time and it's way too specific. Uh, you know, he talks about the first thing he talks about in this video is if you're a new player playing a spellcaster, write down all your spells on three by five cards, which if you take that, as part of a longer um, discussion about how to help new players, it's it's solid advice. Mm-hmm. You know, know, know your spells. But of course, since it's not put into a proper context, people are jumping all up and down saying that's the worst. That's the worst thing ever. Nobody's going to do that. Use spell cards instead. Yada yada yada. So I thought, you know, rather than try to take this topic and do it in five minutes, let's stretch it out. Let's talk about. If you're a new player to D&D, what you might want to do to get yourself into the game. If you are a player at a game that is welcoming a new player in, how maybe you should handle that. And if you are a DM who is trying to bring new players into your game, um, maybe some tips for how to do that, some strategies to make it as smooth as possible. Well, let us do that then. It sounds like a great idea. I, uh, I can't wait to talk about it. All right. Sounds good. Let's go. All right. So if you are a new player, that's what we're going to talk about first. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, my big thing to you folks out there is just don't feel overwhelmed. Like you can get that feeling and this, that sensation of like, there's so much going on. I don't know what to do. Uh, they're, they're, it's not as complicated as you think it is. I mean, role-playing games in general and D and D are often, you're just going to say what you're going to do. You're probably going to roll a D 20 cause it's dungeons and dragons. You're going to try to get over a target number and then you're going to roll with whatever happens. Like if you fail, then stuff will happen. If you succeed, stuff will happen. And then you keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Then you, you sort of wait for the game master to be like, what do you do? Or the dungeon master say, what do you do? And then you just keep going with that cycle of play. Yep. Sean, with that, why don't you uh, hit with the second point, which is very important. Yeah. My, my second point is D&D is a role-playing game, an RPG. So first, get comfortable with the RP side of RPG, with the role-playing. The stuff that happens on the G side, on the game side, that will all work itself out, and it's a learning process. But anyone can sit down and pretend to be something or someone else. You've been doing it since you were three years old, playing all sorts of imaginary games. 
So start with that. Get comfortable with how you interact with the DM with the other players. And there are different ways to do it. You know, some people like to talk in character. Some people don't like to talk in character, but they'll say, my character says blank. Um, and then some people don't really like to talk too much at all. And and that's okay too. You know, we've talked discussed different player types before. But start with the RP side. Get familiar with with the role playing. Um, start to understand some of the the back and forth and, and how the flow of the game works. The game side of things, as Chris said, you will you will be able to learn as you watch and, and as you have uh, DMs and other players, you know, help you along with the rules. So RP first, then G. That seems to make a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, to go along with that, focusing on the RP side, focus on what your character is doing and buy into the concept of your character. For example, like if you're a fighter, you're going to fight. So fight and hit stuff like that's what fighters do and you'll probably be pretty okay um if you're a rogue you're going to steal stuff and act sneaky like just play into that into that side of things and if you're a caster you're going to cast spells and be all intelligent and smart and such and it'll be a that that you want to lean into that Mm -hmm. yep so if if you choose to play i'm going to focus on what chris just said if you choose to play a a fighter understand that you're not going to be casting spells so don't say, oh, I want to play the fighter who has a big sword. And then when the first combat starts, say, can I cast a spell? So vice versa with a spellcaster. If you choose to play a spellcaster, um, use that. Don't try to run in and then hit things with your staff uh, because that's not what your character is built to do. So there are these archetypes there for a reason. Understand what they are. Get down with um, the, the choices that you've made. Or if you have a pre-gen character, um, understand what that character's shtick is mm-hmm. and at least at the start of the game you know follow the path that's been laid before you absolutely and you, you you still have room to role play you still have room to do silly things and crazy things uh but get get that idea down first of where the where the game expects you to go before you try to start breaking those expectations yeah also I mean, there's nothing wrong with role playing and doing the silly, crazy things within your shtick. Mm-hmm. Like, right. that's why you're playing that shtick. It, it'll probably go better for you, too. Like, you'll succeed more often. You'll feel better about yourself from doing those things. Right. Um, what's the next one? If you're all at all worried about not being able to understand some of the more complex side of the game, try to play something simple. Um, a fighter is a good example of something that's fairly simple at first level. You run in, you hit things with your weapon. Um, the only special abilities you have are basically to heal yourself with uh, second wind. And so it's it's pretty simple to play a character like that. Uh, what other characters would you say are are fairly simple at lower levels, Chris? I mean, for if you're gonna if you want to play a caster, something that's gonna cast spells, I think the easiest one to play is the warlock. Mm-hmm. so i would I would lean right into that. I mean, if you wanna I, I like rogues. They're pretty simple to play. They have some options. Yeah. As long as you, you know, explain the the sneakiness um, and you can worry all about the sneak attack stuff later if you're the DM. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, you know, get get them into that framework of you want to attack something that's being attacked by an ally. Uh-huh. And, and that and that, you know, that fills in that game part pretty simply. I'm also going off the premise that if you're going to play a rogue. Um, you know what rogues are mm-hmm. like you, 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 you want to play someone that's like, like Han Solo or like, I don't know what's another famous rogue in, in cinema. Well, Bilbo Baggins. Oh yeah. If you want to play Bilbo Baggins, something like that, then, um, then you can play to those, those, uh, those tropes 
And the rules actually do a fairly decent job of supporting that. So if the game master is helping teach the dungeon master is helping teach the rules along the way, then you'll be fine because, you know, the things that you are doing will play into the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask other players or your DM, you know, what do you think I should play? This is what I'm interested in. This is what I like in, in books or movies or TV shows. Um, and they can probably get something that, that fits what you like pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. Um, if you want to play something more complex, like a wizard, then you're you just need to understand that you're going to have to do a little bit more work to understand how spells work. And, I'm going to take a second here to talk about why the three by five card writing the spells out thing is effective for that. Because when you write something down, you're much more liable to remember it. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the good reasons to do that. Like you write the name of the spell down, you write the spell out completely. You're going to have a much easier time remembering that spell in the future. Most definitely. All right. So uh, let's talk about if you're an experienced player with new players, like what can you do to help new players along? Sean. Okay. The first thing I want to say, and this is a bit of an aside, but the first thing I want to say about this, if you're an experienced player and you have new players at the table, before you jump right in and start teaching, figure out what the DM's role in, in this education process is going to be. For the most part, I've found that the DM of the game should be the teacher unless he or she reaches out to you for help specifically. Too many times I've seen the DM have a great tactic for how they're going to teach a new player something and the other players, it, and it's not anything malicious. It's just they want to help and they want And so they start jumping in and saying, oh, this, 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 and they start throwing too much information that the DM will get to at some point, but the DM probably knows the player better than, than anyone if they're bringing the player into the game and they probably have a strategy. Um, so follow the, the lead of the DM if you can to see how they are doing the, the teaching and supplement that rather than st- trampling all over that. And if for any reason you think the DM isn't doing a great job of teaching, then take that DM aside and say, you know what? I've dealt with new players before and I've found that blank and explain it and, and get the buy-in from the DM rather than just turning it into some sort of conflict with how best to teach new players. I don't see anything else I could say to add to that. Really. That's really good advice. Uh, where do you want to go next? Uh, you want to talk about encouragement? Sure. I would love to talk about encouragement. Um, if you're a player and you know how to play the game, when players get stuck, you should move them along, give them some ideas, encourage them to be creative and keep reminding them, like I said before, to play to their concepts. Like if you're a fighter, what would the fighter do? Uh, And let them know, like, if you can't think, let them know that no matter what idea they come up with, it's going to be original and fine because it's their idea and it won't be the same idea or exactly the same idea that somebody else would have had. That's the cool thing about uh, creating things like even if it's similar to what somebody else would have said it won't be exactly the same it'll be your own thing so one of the things that people get confused about I think about creating things is we all think that we're not really original but really we're all very very original mm-hmm. it just kind of goes that way right Um, and when when a player is not sure what to do or how to do a thing show them like that is a good place if the game master or dungeon master isn't stepping into really uh, or is too busy to step in to show them and you're sitting right next to them you can just lean over and explain it to them as mm-hmm. much if they want to know that doesn't mean you need to force yourself on them to let them know what's going on but if they're if they're having a hard time you can ask them if they need a little help and if or if they have a question and if they ask them you can answer yeah 
Exactly. And that's the thing. If they have a question, then there's absolutely nothing wrong with you answering it because that's right there at the top of their mind. There's an, there's another thing to that though. Like if they get stuck, you should suggest. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, do a thing, be like, what about this? Or or prompt them in some way to get them moving. Like, uh, do you need a ham or something? What, or what's your idea? Mm-hmm. Just say it out loud. We don't, we're, we're not going to judge. Right. Exactly. Don't be afraid to, to say things. Um, and if it's something that is in unfeasible, then is that a word? Unfeasible? Sure. If it's not feasible. It, it is, it is now. now. <laughs> okay. Uh, then you can say, well, you know, that probably won't work for this reason, but Give me three other reasons. And, you know, part of this has to do with just the nature of role playing games. If people come to the game via board games, there's in board games, there's usually a set number of things you can do and you can't step outside of of those choices in the game. Right. The action economy, whatever you want to call it. Whereas within D&D, you can do anything. And sometimes that wide open nature of the game will be overwhelming, you know, analysis, paralysis, and so on. Um, so just encourage them to to not limit themselves. And another thing you can do is rather than telling them what to do, model behavior. So when it's your turn, if you see what their uh, hesitation might be, a new player, go ahead and do it. Do what they were hesitating to do to show them. It's completely cool if you – don't attack the monster this round, but instead go do something else because that's part of the game. It, it's not a game where every round you have to do maximum damage to the monster. You know, many things can happen. So it's okay if you go do something else. I agree. Hmm? Um, should we move on to the last thing? Or are we going to talk about, oh no, I want to talk about one more thing. Can we talk about this other thing? Let's do the other thing. I like when you interact with people in character. It makes me happy. Um, it creates bonds between characters. It creates bonds between players, I think too. And when you can pull people into the conversations or you can pull people into your actions, like help me with this thing over here. And they, they get involved. They're like, I'm coming to assist you with whatever, or like, I got your back. Like that creates camaraderie between players and characters. And I think that's a great thing to do. That's cool. And one of the things that Mike Merles talked about in the video uh, that was maybe a little controversial as he talked about flaws. He talked about when you're trying to get into your character, don't be afraid to uh, draw up on a flaw and make that a major part of your character's personality. And some people were worried um, or as you know, some people said, well, that's the worst advice ever because then you just have people being jerks and um, you know, playing on the most annoying part of the character to uh you know to present that and i don't think that's quite what mike meant he didn't mean be a jerk you know what he meant was the most what we recognize most in in our entertainment whether it be movies or books or games is is the the, the idiosyncrasies of characters right Think about every sitcom ever made. There's always, you know, there's always the dumb one. There's always the greedy one. There's always the goofy one. You know, everyone has that thing. And that's what draws people to to that sort of entertainment. And in RPGs, it can be the same thing. And it, it doesn't mean you should do it to the annoyance of the rest of the players. But a flaw is one of the ways that we recognize the differentiation between all of us. 
the the thing that's not not normal that maybe isn't the best of us, but it's it's something that we are always contending with. So, uh, you know, while while if you're a new player, don't go overboard with those flaws, but definitely you know uh, use them. And if you're an experienced player, show the new player what it means to be a flawed character while still contributing to the team as a whole. Yeah. And there's actually a mechanical reward for playing to your flaws. You can get inspiration. Exactly. So, I mean, especially if you turn around, you get your inspiration, then you use that for something useful later. Mm -hmm. Like that is, that is less of a bad thing than like, then playing to your flaws helps. Yeah. Or giving that inspiration to another character to help them, you know? So yes, you, you've played, uh, You've played up the flaw and it may have caused a small problem for your party, but now you have that inspiration, which you can hand off to the barbarian when he's attacking and doing a lot of damage, hopefully. So, you know, those things can all balance out if the DM runs the game that way. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Uh, Are we moving on to our third point? Let's do it. All right. So if you're a DM and you have new players at your table... Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Oh, why don't I go first? Sure, go ahead. As we have talked about week after week after week on this show, every game can run differently mm-hmm. and every player has different expectations and desires of what they want out of the game. So whether you you know are DMing for a new person, an experienced player, whether you're at a home game or a convention, one of the first things you need to do as a DM is get a feel for what the players want. And then understand what you want and try to come to some sort of understanding and give a game that that fits everybody's needs. Same thing for new players, whether you have to come right out and ask them or if you have to find out uh, through interaction, get a feel for what those new players want out of the game. Get a feel for what experience they have with the game, not necessarily as a player, but if they've been watching podcasts, if they've been reading uh, books, you know, how, what is their understanding of the game and what experience do they have? What experience do they want to have? If you can't do it right at, you know, before the game starts, then focus on that as you are running the game to see what experience you can give them. Yeah. That's what I've got for point one. All right. Point two, this is the thing that I love doing and I'm, I try to do it as effectively as possible is, is teach the game as you're playing it. Do not teach rules except for like the base ones that you need to get started. Do it while the game is ongoing and just do it as quick as sides to, to slot rules into situations that really, really helps. So like I said, the core mechanic needs to be understood. But like I said earlier, let people know that playing to their concepts will make things work better because if you play to your concepts, if you're the fighter, you fight, mm-hmm. it'll go better for you. And like Sean said, if you're the wizard, do not hit something with your staff unless for some reason you have an 18 strength, which I don't understand why you're playing a wizard then. But you never know. I mean, I'm not going to judge. You should be throwing around magic missiles and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Or cantrips of some sort. Um, It's always better to play. Stop for a moment to explain how a rule works and then keep playing. Like the, the rogue with the advantage to sneak attack situation. Like you can even suggest like, oh, look, if you move here to stand next to this person who's on your side to attack this person who is not on your side, if you hit, you will do extra damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's as simple as that. And then, you know, continue going. And lastly, because these are new players for this particular thing, um, err on the side of letting the players win early, giving them the benefit of the doubt and letting the DCs be low enough that they can succeed on stuff, even if they kind of make mistakes. And maybe even a, like thinking of setting yourself a um, a second level DC. So like for people who actually play to their their shtick and roll really well, they get a little extra benefit. Absolutely. Another thing, um, if you're a new DM, 
this is something that's not in our notes, but just came to mind. The first time you have any sort of combat, have it be against something that is a beast, uh, something that's not sentient. Um, so you, you take away that stigma of killing a, a sentient creature right at the start. Um, so there's no doubt that we're having a combat and this thing is a slathering beast that's trying to kill us. Um, I think it helps at least in the experiences that I've had uh, helping new people learn the game to, to get that out of the way, uh, you know, get, learn the combat rules against something like that later in the, uh, you know, in the session or later in the game, then you can start dealing with kobolds that might have personalities that would call for, you know, uh, being merciful and talking with them rather than killing and so on. Yeah. I mean, that that sounds, yeah. Keep the game simple, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like uh, a conversation is a conversation. It's not a conversation with like combat or, or other things going on. A combat is a combat and exploration is an exploration. We're not mixing beats yet. We're not doing crazy stuff to these new players to confuse them and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We're basically showing off the building blocks of the game, Mm -hmm. correct? Yep. All right. Yep. And then you can do all sorts of neat things with those blocks, but you have to understand the blocks first. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me about spur of the moment game versus truly motivated and interested new players. Well, I've had the experience now of running for new players who have come to me and said, I want to play D and D let's play in three weeks and let's, you know, show me how to play the game. And I've already watched games online and I've already bought the player's handbook and I've read some of it. If you are, if you are DMing for those kinds of new players, you can go about building uh, building up their interest in building the game you're going to run in one way. If you go to a convention and you, you know, you're sitting there and someone comes up and says, oh, I've got these six people here they've never played before they want to play, go. Uh, then you don't have as much time. You don't have, you know, the, the sort of understanding of what their motivation is or what their experience is. So for example, you will probably end up using pre-generated characters if you have short notice, whereas you can have the players create their own characters. um, If you have advanced warning and maybe a session zero or some time to, to talk it through, I have mixed feelings about creating your own character. When you're a new player, I've seen it where people loved it. And they, you know, they created their character and, and they were all excited at the end of the character creation, ready to play. And I've seen some where just the very act of creating the character kind of dampened their uh, motivation. It got too gamey and not enough role play right at the start. And I wished, th- you know, afterward, I wished I had just gone with pre-gens. Hmm to get them into the game quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's something that can that can go either way depending on the person and depending on, you know, how you handle the character creation. That makes sense. Um there's also what kind of game to run. When you start, do you run a sh- very short compact game? You know, if you're at a convention, you may only have an hour to get, run these people through a game. Whereas if you uh, have motivated people who are waiting for a long time and and telling you about their interest, you can run a more, uh, you know, a longer, more involved first session. And again, there there are probably strengths and weaknesses to each one, Uh, but it's just something to think about as you plan your session for these new players. It's true. That's very true. It's a good thing to think about. One thing I would say then 
no matter who your players are, what their interests, having some of the cool accessories around might enhance their love of the game. You know, if you sit down and you're using old school DM Randy Farmer's paper craft, brilliant stuff, it might wow them and show them that while this is a game, look at all these cool things that can come along with it. Um, it might help them see things better, get more involved. Uh, it, it could overwhelm them too and, and draw attention away from the game. But I think for the most part, having, you know, minis or terrain or something will excite people, new people a little more and show them different aspects of the hobby as a whole. What do you think, Chris? Um, I'm of two schools of thought on this. Mm -hmm. Props are cool. Props are a wow factor. Like you said, props will, and minis and maps and all that cool stuff, uh, will make players um, eyes kind of light up and be like, wow, that's kind of neat, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, it also sets a precedent in a lot of ways. Like, this is, this is what the game is like. Mm -hmm. So then they'll be expecting that in the future. And that's not exactly how the game always is, right? Sure. Yeah. And I, w I would state that right up front. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's just, those are the pros and cons to that, right? Like, ooh, shiny. And then like you get somebody like me who uses wooden meeples on a, uh, on a, on a hastily drawn map that is on a piece of paper that is theater of the mind mm -hmm. and who does everything as everything he can with description and voice. And that's a very different looking thing. Um, because you know, yeah, it just is. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I like the big wow factor. It's just, uh, I, I would prefer to use the big wow factor is the draw on thing, mm -hmm. and you know, warm up front and be like, they're they're the game doesn't always play like this. Um, you can also within that, you know, run an encounter or two that is not using all the cool stuff, right. so that people get a look at it. Yep, yep. I I prefer that. You know, try it every different way and see, um, see how the reaction is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where do you want to go next? Oh, I just, I had one more point, which is, um, you know, if you're the new DM and you've got new players, I think you should choose an adventure or create an adventure that is very short and focused, but that can later be expanded upon. Um, you know, one of the overwhelming things of all the overwhelming things that, that can go into D and D the, the, you know, the deep rules, the, the different varieties of role-playing, all these sorts of things. You also don't need to throw an overcomplicated plot into the adventure on top of that for new players. Um, it's true. I think one of the things that I've done is run or written a lot of one-hour adventures. And I think if you, you know, carefully choose or carefully create a one hour adventure you can still do role playing you can still have an, an encounter you can still do a little exploration and it can be short and focused enough that they have a mission they complete their mission boom and then if they like that they can move on to the next mission um it it doesn't overwhelm them it gives them a taste for what the game is and it shows them that more can be done uh but it doesn't have to be i agree with that I, I liked it a lot. In fact, if you don't mind, I would like to give an example, which is not necessarily D&D, &D, but I will talk about how you um, use the short focused adventure and then you can expand it later. Fire it up. All right. So um, I'm playtesting a new game that I'm that I'm working on and I have a pulp, a, a pulp game that I'm running. So the first adventure is they go to a church 
in uh, in a town in Boston and find a secret MacGuffin in a, a box, basically inside of of a statue. While they're getting attacked by Nazis that are in disguise, uh, they escape from the Nazis. They redline it to the jungle in the Yucatan Peninsula. They deal with some local snake, uh, some local people who are part of a snake cult. They go into a snake temple. They uh, get a jade snake statue, and they uh, escape some more Nazis and get back to the mainland. That's the whole first adventure. Mm-hmm. It's not very long. It took us about two. It's a little longer than a one hour adventure, but it took us about two, two and a half hours to play it. Um, from that, like that's a contained thing. Like I could never run another thing and the game would be fine. Mm-hmm. But like I sat down and without having planned this out at all, sketched out a whole campaign to go along with it. Now, like there's a Jade Emperor now and there's like a snake cult that is like trying to keep this Jade Emperor from waking up. And there's these Nazis who want the Jade Emperor to wake up because the Jade Emperor supposedly can grant immortality. And there's like that, right? Like now there's a whole campaign and there's like another couple things that they have to do to find out where this, you know, Jade Emperor is actually being hidden. Mm-hmm. See? One little adventure expanded out into a whole campaign. Yeah. No problem. And, you know, even if you have qualms about punching Nazis in real life, there's certainly nothing wrong with punching Nazis in a role-playing game. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, you know, what you say is absolutely right. And I am going to start blogging again. And one of the first things I'm going to blog about is, you know, working on those one-hour adventures I did for the Adventures League. And, you know, what I would change now that I've, you know, been with 5th Edition for several years now mm-hmm. um and you know things that worked things that didn't uh for a short one hour adventure especially in light of new players yeah yeah there you go that's a that's a great thing to blog about maybe once you've blogged about it we can talk about it on the show i would love to all right well that's our topic for new players i hope you all enjoyed that if you did please let us know if you have some other things to add to that go to our g plus community and feel free to add to those comments or add those comments to our conversation and uh, with that, I'd like to say thank you everyone so much for listening, but I'd like to give a few Patreon shout outs to those people who give us a few dollars to help us keep the lights on around here. Uh, the old school DM Randy Farmer, he was mentioned earlier with his amazing paper craft. It's just so lovely. Um, Eric Simon, he is a, a game designer himself, does rock lips and a few other things. Uh, Victor Wyatt, Garrett Cologne, and John Carney. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Dallas D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website. And for a paltry $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout out. Or for $4.50 a month, you not only get a shout out, but you also get you also get to see our pre-production show notes. And we try to give patrons a little extra. We do. We do, in fact. If you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple Podcast review. Even if you're not listening via Apple Podcasts, many other podcatchers use Apple Podcasts to rate and rank shows. So it would make us more visible if you would go on and give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. Yeah. Also, just share the show around on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, whatever. I mean, we don't have a Reddit thing, but if you're on Reddit and you want to share it, I I wouldn't mind. Uh, Anyways. Sean, uh, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin. I am on Facebook as Sean Merwin as well. But best of all, go with the Downwind D&D G Plus community because there we can talk with you and the rest of our listeners about the topics that we cover. Plus, Michael Benensky is very good about putting D and D a day up there. So there's always something cool mm-hmm. to to like check out and see what's going on in the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I know I always do it. So, yep. so thank you, Michael. Yeah, thank you. Many a show topic has been uh, spawned by Michael. So thank you. Mm-hmm. How about Chris, you, Chris? Where can we find you? Um, on Twitter at Down with D and D, I always see it, or at Mister Mark. That's the network Twitter. Uh, also at the Light One Hundred One. That is my personal Twitter. You can also just go to the website and um, leave a comment. You know, there I always see those too. 
While you're at the website, though, you can always pick up another show such as this one, uh, the Misdirected Mark podcast. Chris, Phil, and Bob go live every Tuesday evening at 845 Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. One of my favorite podcasts still after all these years. Oh, that's sweet of you to say. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Yeah, the me- These days, sort of the mechanical media arm since Phil broke his arm and like has a metal plate in it. Oh man. Yeah, that's that's not for everybody out there in listener land. He sent me a picture today of what his uh, incision and all of the 42 staples in his arm looked like. It was kind of gross. Mm. <laughs> well, with that, Sean, what are we going to do now? <laughs> we are going to go kill some monsters. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. You down with D&D? I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?